Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Right, right. Yeah, we do a lot of messaging uh, saw- and, and back and forth. It's just about, it's about the, and phone calls still work really, really well too. You know, so it's like messaging first and then following up with a phone call right. and being able to send that that digital file. Uh, luckily, <laughs> at least in our retail masterclass, Ed, my co-host in that class is from Israel and he sells in the US. So it's uh, <laughs> retailers in the US. So he's used to having to overcome those barriers. And that's why we kind of focus on that. So, uh, you know, use all of these tips that Don is giving you to find these key contacts, but then also make sure that you're ready to present your product in a way that isn't spammy and that, you know, is, is helping you just kind of have a conversation and uh, like Don says, send away for it so that they're wanting to send, sell you something. And then you're making the connection at the same time. Right. And be sure your presentation works on the phone. Yeah. You know, you don't get always get a big computer screen. And there's nothing worse than having all your words too small to read, you know? You yeah. know, so like if they've, it should work on the f- phone with just the normal, uh, you know, view screen. So what are we gonna do when we, we have a new helper? So you've got a guy, you had some rapport, you've told them, uh, you know, he told you about your product and you say, you say to him, well, listen, um, can I just tell you, I'm trying to introduce a product too and get some feedback from you on what you think about it. And they'll probably say, you know, they'll probably say yes. Most of the time they say yes and will listen to you a short time and then explain you have a new product you want to introduce in the market. And here you go. Um, now, if you're overseas, you can't really take them to lunch, but what you can do is set up a time, uh, you know, and don't go for an hour meeting you know, like a, can I have set up a five minute phone call for, you know, or WhatsApp or Skype or whatever with you and set up a time. A lot of times they'll tell you you can do it right now, but it's, I think it's courtesy to ask them if they'd prefer to set up a time. And, and you can't be saying too long, you know, five or 10 minutes because otherwise they're, they're afraid of getting caught in a, you know, droning on presentation that they're really not interested in. Um, and in, in the, you can ask the people for their feedback, you know, um, if you're setting it up and you could ask them even before you ask them if you can set up a meeting, what is your feedback? What do you think of this product? I mean, uh, are you familiar? I always like to say, are you familiar with the competitors? And I, I list them. I, so I say this product and this product, and, uh, sometimes they'll, if you've done your homework right, they'll know the competitors, but sometimes they'll say no and they'll say, but I am familiar with these products. These are the three products I see that sell best in my market. And um, that gives you a chance to ask for feedback comparing your product to the competitor product. And you, um, what's gonna happen most of the time, of course, no matter how brilliant your presentation is, they don't really understand your product and they don't know all the features about it. And the best way to tell them about those features is for them to ask you questions. You know, um, well, I let this competitor product really sells well because it does this or this, this, and they usually can tell you what, or they have an opinion about the competitive product sell well. And you can then 
you know, feedback, well, this is what my product does instead. This is why I feel this is better. And I mean, it starts a dialogue going back and forth that helps you communicate your product. I found, you know, when you're dealing with this, trying to get helpers, this is a person to person thing. And you, the more person to person type conversations you have, the way, the much better off you are. I mean, if you just drone on for five minutes and don't get questions about feedback or what they think, um, you know, I find that it doesn't work so well. Um, and and you, the questions you can ask to get feedback are so simple, like, uh, what do you feel are the best, the top competitive products to mine? Which one, what products in this space, they all like the word space for some reason, uh, do you feel, uh, you know, are, are the top sellers and why do you feel that way? Any questions like that, they'll, they'll usually respond. And, and you can also tie this right back into their product. You know, I see that your product is going into this market to what competitors are really competing with you in there. What are their products like? Who's the best seller? You can get them talking and starting the conversation by asking them about their product too. Which, which you know, you're just trying to establish some rapport and something to say that you're a pretty decent person, you'll be easy to work with. Um, I think if you're an e-seller, and like in a lot of your people, if they're overseas, there's always gonna be a reluctance on the American people uh, that maybe this will be more difficult to do than I would like. And um, the best way to overcome that is in an ongoing conversation where you don't try to just keep talking about your product, but just to show that, you know, you're easy to get along with. Um, here again, I think it's, it's wise. Uh, so we're not really talking patents or patent offers or no disclosure agreements, but it really helps if you can get an exclusive like if you don't actually manufacture the product yourself, uh, if you can get an exclusive with your, um, with your manufacturer or some kind of a, an agreement that doesn't let people go right around you. Yeah, and you know, when you go to sell your business, uh, we had a, we had a um, session about selling your business um, with Yal Kabili and uh, from Fortunate. And that was one of the main, um, main factors in how much you're in your business valuation when you go to sell it is actually having um, contracts with your suppliers. Because again, if anybody can just source that and there's no kind of protection, it just, it devalues your business a little bit. So make sure that you guys get an attorney wherever you're sourcing from, um, you know, so if you're sourcing from China, get an attorney in China. If you're sourcing from India, get an attorney in India. If you're sourcing in the U.S., get an attorney in the U.S. and have them draw up contracts before you enter into agreements with your suppliers so that you can ensure you're actually protecting your supply chain because your supply chain is all you have, really. If someone else can find your supplier and you don't have any kind of protection agreement with that supplier, you are kind of at a loss, you know, and there's a lot of really savvy people <laughs> that can, can do that if you're, if you don't have the proper contracts in place. So really good point, Don. And you should also have your contract um, cover future products, 
you know, related to this product. So if they develop a new product that you maybe have the right of first refusal, I mean, you can't just get everything for you. And if you do have an agreement, you'll probably have to commit to some type of sales levels too. I mean, companies will say, well, if you want an exclusive, you got to guarantee so much sales. And, and so there's a back and forth there, but um, yeah, I mean, and really in the old days, it was hard to find somebody in China, but today, you know, China has all these trade shows. They have trade fairs. You just, so you just go over to a kitchen trade fair over to China and everybody's got all their products right out there. And it's not that hard for them to find your source. Yeah, true. And was, import records are public. So <laughs> they can actually just search your, your company name and, and um, find out who your suppliers are. So if you don't have contracts with those suppliers, those suppliers will actually bring your products to the trade show because right. they, don't, they don't have a contract not to. Why not? They're showing off what they're making. <laughs> right. So, so that's another reason it's good to have that contract. And, and you know, um, I'm not, in the past, I've been in markets where people have to pay tariffs, even though it's a minor tariff to come into the country and documents. And it, those are public records. You can actually um, find the category your product is in and get all the tariff records and you can see what people are bringing in um, yeah. and the volumes they're bringing them in. And you can see what the other manufacturers are. I used to do that for a sneaky reason is I wanted to know how strong the uh, Chinese company was, you know, how, how big a market presence they had. And I could tell that. So if there was a product category and, um, you know, I, they, they have a number for it. You know, you just have to figure out what that number is. And then you, if you're, if the company you're dealing with doesn't sell hardly anything into America, well, that puts you in a much stronger position. But if they're a real big, you know, if they have a lot of people they're shipping to, well, then your position's a lot weaker. So I think those records are good. So when you're talking to someone, you know, I think you're perfectly free to pull out as much information as you can. You can ask them about the reaction to the product. What do they think? What do they think about competitors? And, and not only is this good information for you, it's a good way to develop a rapport with the person. What do they think is the best way to sell the product? You know? You can ask them key contacts in the market you should focus on. Now, not everyone's gonna give you all this information, but I found, um, you know, usually they're, they're more than willing to do that. Um, you know, explore their interest in helping you. See if they really are willing to help you. Maybe they'd be interested in uh, striking a deal with you. And if not them, do they have suggestions of other people who might help them? Um, now, one of the things if you have overseas sellers um, to kind of uh, get over is American business people do not jump right into the topic usually. You know, they like to have a little chit chat before and I found that, and they also are very informal. You know, I found that sometimes overseas sellers are very, uh, they're not informal, they're very formal, they're very stiff. And uh, it really works just like you're talking to uh, a person you sat next to in college class. You know, you're just, hey, what's, where are you from? What are you doing? And things like that. And uh, 
So asking questions, well, hi, how, you know, how long have you been with the company? Just a little rapport about, you know, what your, like your background is and, but, but learn to talk so you don't sound stiff, I guess. Is, um, and you, sh and you can practice with each other on that, I think. I think I'm sure you you must talk to people, Amy, and try to help them if they're. Yes, well, we do this through our podcast all the time, and um, my my Facebook groups definitely. So we're in our Facebook groups right now, talking and sharing, and yeah, the the big thing is is be be a good um, a good partner, right? Because. There's a lot of people that will just reach out to you and kind of be takers, right? Instead of trying to, like you mentioned, Don, you said, take the time to actually ask for their opinion, ask for their advice. Don't just throw your stuff in their face, right? Like, here, I have this product. Can you help me? You know, take the time to say, hey, I'm just trying to connect with others in my industry and, and talk and learn and contribute. And so I just... I, relationships are all about give and take and and not just one or the other so i love to um, learn from others and then also try and um, contribute wherever i can and so that's my advice to any of you guys who find some of these key contacts um, take the time to actually just develop that relationship instead of just automatically um, asking them to basically help you right um, and you'd be surprised how far someone will go uh, out of their way uh, to to help you if if you do that. Right. Basically, this is how like at trade shows and, and the way Amy and I are talking is exactly how we talk to any customer. You know, we wouldn't be having any different type of demeanor. But um, when you go to a trade show and they're there at 10 in the morning, um, and they've got no one to talk to. You know, they're very happy to talk to you forever and explain all this, or they'll they give you five or 10 minutes easily. And, and what you'll find when you, your people are calling you up, sometimes they don't have a lot of time and they might not be that helpful, but many times they, it's, they, they can spend five or 10 minutes talking to you easily. And always um, after about five minutes, you should always ask them if, um, you know, you could set up a, if, if they would like to set up another time where you could go into more details. Uh, even though most of the time they'll say, no, just let's just talk now. I think it's courteous and it, it's good to do that. Yeah. And then you're also getting their information, right? Where right. you can You're getting their information and, and they might uh, often think of uh, new things to tell you. That's another reason I like to wait, you know, um, you're talking to them right on the spot. People don't always think of everything, you know, right the first time around. But if, you know, they, you give them a day or two, they'll think about a lot of other things that they could maybe help you or work with you on. Yeah, maybe offer to connect on LinkedIn or I love to invite people to virtual tea <laughs> because right now we're all kind of stuck. Virtual tea or virtual coffee and be like, hey, do you want to have a coffee next week over Zoom or something? And just, you know, um, I can send you my calendar. You can pick a time that works for you and we can just chat and I can see how I can help you and, you know, vice versa. And let's just network. And people love to network and, and especially right now during COVID <laughs> when we're all like stuck in the house and um, you know, a nice, a nice uh, little Zoom chat or a Skype chat and just something real informal and hey, let's both bring a cup of coffee and just, just connect. 
Yeah, the other thing you have to offer people is uh, you can ask them if they would like to know more about how to deal with a Chinese company. How do you find Chinese suppliers or, or wherever you're from? Um, you have knowledge that they might like to know too, and you should ask them, you know, what they what they might like to know from you. And and many times they'll have questions about uh, supplies or, you know, not necessarily related to your product, but they're they have questions in their normal business dealings that you could maybe answer. Yeah, like selling on Amazon, <laughs> right. selling selling in e-commerce, different things like that. Like you guys, yep. Don't forget, you do have a, a skill set that they they may gain something from. So that's that's really awesome. Right. So you can share that, and also, uh, like I'm amazed. Um, there are markets where Facebook groups are just fabulous. You know, like baby mothers of new babies. You know, and if you have products that can go and in this uh, Facebook groups, you really can do well. So those are things too you might know know that they don't know. Um, that could be of help to them. So once you get going, you've got someone who's uh, kind of interested. Um, you can ask for a commitment. Um, you don't have to have this big commitment, you know, to really do it, but um, you could explore. Now this, the first one is really for someone who wants to license their product. And, um, but, but you may be talking to people who could fit their, your product into theirs. So for instance, if I, if I have a product line of kitchen products and you have a product that's not in my line, you know, I might want to add it to my line, you know, and this is a, a different, it's a private label to that company. And um, you, that's one thing you could approach with, with there, is there some way that your company, this might fit into your company's line where your company could benefit, we could both benefit if you sold the product. And usually they'll do that without payment. Uh, I'll always like to ask that first, because that is a really, uh, when you're talking to this person, uh, and they're going to take a product idea up to their management. You know, they're in a no-lose uh, situation. So let's say they go up and take the product, and the management says, oh, I don't think it'll fit in. It's not going to work out. That person still looks good. It's a go-getter trying to find good things for the company. And, you know, the company likes to see that. And if it does go through, then he, he even does better. But there's no way he's losing. No, If he brings an idea to the company about taking your product and inserting it into their line, um, the company is never going to think poorly of him for doing that. It can only help him. The other things, like if it's an independent sales rep, uh, and again, this is trying to license the product, um, you can offer 15 to 25% uh, of royalties uh, if they want to help uh, license the idea. And this would be more of a sale of a product line if you wanted to sell it. Um, but you could also offer people, oh, if you would come on, I would give you 10 to 15% of net sales. You know, um, if they like your product, there's all kinds of uh, uh, commitments that they could make to you, um, you know, that would really get them on board to help you. Uh, oh, my wife just dropped something. I don't know if you could hear that, but it, there was a big bang there. <laughs> so, okay. um, but you, but you could ask them, you could really start this conversation by 
listen, um, I know you're kind of interested in a product. Would you like to explore with me ways where maybe um, you could make money with my product and we could work together where we could both win? And um, they, if they're interested, and I found that at least half the time, they, if they've expressed interest in your product, well, they'll say something like, well, what are you thinking of? Uh, you know, so you, you just are throwing out a comment that's very vague and they'll come back, what are you thinking of? And when they say that, um, well, there's, you know, there's several ways to go. You, you could get a commission on our net sales. You could come on board and own, have a share of the company, um, you know, or whatever, you know, you're willing to do or explore. You could just come back with them and make that offer. But it's always, it's always best to say, you know, I just, it sounds like you're just a product. Would you just be interested in um, looking at some ways that maybe we could both win and maybe you could make some money off of our product? And I, I found that a lot of times they'll say, you know, they'll be interested. Not always though. Some, this is one reason I like independent sales reps and um, sometimes retail store managers, they're, they're looking to get ahead. And other people are more comfort oriented. They just want to stay in their job and they're not really interested in trying something new. So, um, but unless you ask them, you'll never know where they stand. Makes sense. <laughs> and also you should always, um, after you kind of explore things, always ask them if you can send them an agreement. So there is no confusion on your offer. Uh, this is very, it's always been odd to me, but you go and talk to someone and you, you list, I don't know what goes through their head. I think I'm crystal clear, but they, they have a totally different take on what our conversation was. And so, um, and Don, how would you suggest getting the right wording for those agreements? Well, I don't like them to, I like using a memorandum of understanding. So it's not a totally formal agreement. It's more just the listing of concepts of what you're trying to work towards an agreement. So um, you can look on online and they have a lot of memorandums of understanding agreements. Yeah, so I just good. looked it up, the templates for it. And yeah, there's lots of them. And it's, it's really only good. like about two or three pages. So it's, it's not full of a lot of legalese stuff. And it's really a sum saying this is we're going to be working towards an agreement with these kind of parameters is really what it's saying. Got and it. So it's not it's not full of legalese, you know. It's more just a simple letter that, and and then like a gentleman's handshake. Yes, that's what it <laughs> is. And just so that you know, they kind of have a good idea. So it's firm on what you're trying to offer. Otherwise, I don't know, um, without something written up to follow up, I find that people just come away with meetings with totally different, you know, perceptions of what was said and- um, Got it. But if you send an MOU, then they can respond, oh, I thought we said this, oh, I thought you said this, and you know, you can kind of work it out. But the MOUs, um, it's just a memorandum. It's not a firm commitment. It doesn't really, mean anything, but it lays out the terms of what you're thinking of pursuing. So I usually don't even do them with a lawyer. Makes sense. 
you know, and I also like always to have a follow-up. Um, I like to promise what I'm going to do, right? At first. And that, now you have to remember this doesn't all happen on one meeting. This is this could be over three or four or five meetings. But uh, once you kind of have a tentative agreement, you like to tell them first what you're going to do. And then you should set a schedule for what they're going to do. Um, and, and then um, you should follow up to advise of the rep all the time, maybe once every two weeks or so or whatever works into the schedule about how you're meeting your goals. And then if you tell them how you're meeting your goals, you are, you know, you can ask how they're doing meeting yours. So um, don't just follow up, you know, oh, the rep's supposed to do this, this, and this. What's he doing? Is he getting it all done? Blah, blah, blah. You have to, you have to put your own, you know, action schedule on the line too. And you have to meet your schedule. I think it's very in both, very important to have both because this is a partnership, you know, it's not just, you're just going to uh, do everything yourself. Got it. So uh, to be follow up, you shouldn't really have an action list that's more than 60 days, 30 days at best. And you can have new action lists, you know, as you go on. But, oh, excuse me. No. Uh, but 30 days is best. When it expires, keeps going, have a new list. And of course, I don't like too long a list too because so many things change. Your original action list might not be relevant um, as you go along. And really make sure you meet all the steps of your action list. And the other thing is don't be bugging the person, you know, calling every few days. If you have a 30 days action list, call after 30 days. Um, nobody likes you to be a pest. Yeah. And so um, basically the key is just to, um, you know, just find the people and I find the trade magazine setting off for literature going. And, and if you can go to trade shows, that's a great way to meet reps too. Or people who are interested, just walking around booth to booth. I'm not sure if your people ever go to trade shows, but um, it's not necessary to go to um, have a booth. You can just be an attendee. And I think it pays to go so they can see what other products are out there. I know that a lot of uh, foreign companies go there and they find ideas that they can modify or change or duplicate and make their own product. Yeah, well, a lot of people go to Canton Fair in China for that. We have a China trip and, you know, it, of course, right now with COVID, a lot of stuff has stopped with trade shows. But, um, you know, there's so many really great trade shows, not just in China, not just there's there's great trade shows in Europe. If you live in Europe, there's great trade shows in Australia, um, all, you know, all around Canada, South America, trade shows everywhere. So definitely even if you are overseas, you'd be surprised how many global companies are um, at trade shows in your area. So don't think that just because you're selling in the US market and you're an overseas company uh, that you can't uh, go to your local trade shows in your area and still make excellent connections that can help you worldwide. It's just, 
it's an incredible opportunity. So make sure that you're doing that. Another hack that we use is you can also register for trade shows and as an attendee, and even if you don't go to the trade show, you often get the list of attendees and present, uh, presenters. And that way you can at least go on the website, you can get key contacts, you can follow up that way, you can see what products they were, you know, they had at the trade show. Most of that stuff has gone virtual now. So it's, it's a really great thing to at least know what trade shows are relevant in your industry. As Don mentioned, know what industry magazines are relevant. I mean, Don, you gave us that hack at Alamo Inventors and I followed up and I connected with all of the industry um, editors and editors in chief on LinkedIn and I'm making those connections and just building out my list because, you know, like you said, there's all these people that want better products and Amazon has so many great products that aren't known anywhere outside of Amazon. Yet Amazon is like less than 5% of all of retail. I mean, it's grown recently to a bigger chunk of e-commerce, but e-commerce is only 10% of all of retail. So it's like, you guys, you're missing out. There's so much opportunity there. You are just barely scraping the surface on Amazon. If you have a product that has gotten, like Dan, like Don mentioned, saturated on Amazon, you would be surprised how much opportunity there is beyond. Um, so just, there's there's so many great products I know of clients that I have that are, are saturated on Amazon now, but the local stores, you cannot find those kind of products and they're great products. So just imagine if you make some of these key contacts and you get sales reps and you're able to get, let them kind of build a sales force for you and let them make some sales for you. Imagine what that could do for you as the manufacturer, really getting your products out there. I mean, that is a game changer. Think about it. Right now, you're only accessing a tiny corner of the market. So, uh, you know, use these tips that Don has given us, graced us with today, and really come up with a game plan of how you can make some more contacts and how you can get out there and find some helpers in the industry to make a difference for your business. Because, you know, you can't do it alone. And there's people out there that are happy to help you. Am I right? Right. <laughs> Good stuff. So. And I should also mention that, you know, being in a store gets you a lot more sales on Amazon too. Yes, I recently signed my first wholesale vendor contract and my sales at launch on Amazon tripled. I had my biggest sales day ever. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, okay, this is powerful. So, you know, it, it really is. It's, it's so great to have that brand trust, you know. Um, it's in having the retail packaging and all of that. It just, customers see that and they're like, oh, that's, have I seen that somewhere before? I think I can trust that brand. I'm going to buy that. They like that. So it's good stuff. All right, Don, do we have any more slides before we wrap it oh, up? No more slides. Okay. Well, I'm going to, um, I will hit the stop sharing button. And right before we go, I just want you to tell everyone how they can get in contact with you, how they can learn more. You're a patent agent as well. So if you guys need help patenting something, Don is amazing at that. Um, so where can we find you, Don? Well, you can find me most easily on uh, 
onestopinventionshop.net. Okay, onestopinventionshop.net. It's funny, Don, while you were talking, I was multitasking over here and I was searching for sales reps, for independent sales reps for pets, because you guys know I'm in pets. And, um, and the first article to come up on Google organically, of course, was Don's article from One Stop Invention Shop. He actually has an article on there about sales reps for pet products. And he walks you through step by step. And he even has some stuff about PetSmart and Petco, which I've been trying to find information on. So thanks, Don. You're welcome. <laughs> well, it was great having you, Don. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. I'm sure all of our Stellar Roundtable listeners are going to really appreciate this. And um, if you're listening right now on the podcast and you want to see Don's presentation, you can head over to our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash Roundtable. Or you can view it on our website, sellerroundtable.com, and join us every Tuesday live on Zoom as we interview more amazing guests and learn more really cool things. And you can register free at sellerroundtable.com slash live. Thanks everyone for being here. Thank you, Don, for your awesome presentation, helping us get our products out there in a broader market. And we will see you guys next time on the Seller Roundtable. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at SellerRoundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, SellerSEO.com and AmazingAtHome.com.